Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Megan Eisenberg. Megan has spent over 20 years in high tech and most recently is the CMO of Trip Actions, previously MongoDB, and on the board of G2, Terminus, and Reactful. Before MongoDB, she was the VP of Demand Generation at DocuSign and named top 25 for B2B marketing influencers. Megan has advised, advised over 30 tech companies such as Loom, Branch.io, CoreOS, and Product Board, seven of which were acquired in the past few years. She has an MBA from Yale and a BS degree in MIS and a minor in CSC from Cal Poly. Megan, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am excited for our discussion today. Your background is super impressive. Um, and so I believe that we have a lot to learn from your experience. Um, but before we jump into our topic, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment I call buzzword banishment. So tell me what industry buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? I'd have to go with technology is broken. <laughs> I think technology is what you make it and what we build, you know? So yes, I love technology. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And in most cases, someone is blaming the tech when the strategy or the way that they configured the tech is usually the problem. The user error, right? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you might need just a little control alt delete and the uh, text not broken anymore. Yes. <laughs> well, I love it. I, you know, I'm a tech gal myself, so uh, I definitely believe in the power of the technology. Um, so you won't hear me say that it is broken. We will put that one in the box and throw it away. Good. Uh, awesome. So now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Yeah, I'm excited to talk about achieving a successful exit. You know, when I look at my career, I've had 17 exits, about to be an 18th, uh, but three IPOs and uh, 14 M&As. That is amazing. Um, and I've got some key questions around what is the secret sauce. But before I jump into that, I believe in setting intentions. It gives us purpose. It gives us focus. And most important, it gives our listeners an understanding of what they can expect from our discussion today. So what do you hope that people take away from our conversation? just what it takes to, to build a successful team. You know, it, it's not just product, it's your team, it's execution, uh, it's how you align. So really what, what it takes to have an exit. Awesome. 
Um, so thinking about your career, um, I know you have worked with a lot of companies that were in various phases of, you know, startup on into to growth mode. Has that been purposeful for you? Have you chosen those companies, you know, to take them to exit or has it been more happenstance? Uh, give me a little insight into your background. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a builder. So my, I would say my excellence is in execution and scaling teams and, and that's bringing in the right people, the right technology and process. And when I've looked at companies like DocuSign, MongoDB and TripActions, I wanted to know there was a massive market that needed to be disrupted, that they had product market fit uh, early. They were built around the users and loved um, by their users. And I and basically they needed someone to come in that could put bring in the right people, right technology and process to help them have that predictable cadence to go public or to get acquired. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely am a believer in people process technology. Like that's, you got to tackle all problems from all angles. Um, so let's talk about what, when you're looking at companies that you feel are poised for a successful exit, are there key things that you've identified? You know, I know you said good market fit and, you know, a good base of people that love the product. Any other advice if someone is evaluating companies to be able to say, like, this is someone that I really can get over the finish line? Uh, sure. I mean, I think you're looking at the competitive landscape. You're looking at the market. The investors matter a ton. I think that you can look at who's on the board, their track record, uh, you know, the current incumbents. Uh, and I really look a lot at the customers and I look at G2, I read the reviews, I look at Glassdoor, you know, the people are happy, the users are happy. I think all of that combined is a good way to hone in on what we would call the NPS, the net promoter score of those customers. Uh, as a CMO, you know, there's nothing better than happy customers because customers beget customers. And you're right. only going to scale and, and have a successful exit if you can show that growth and, a, and lack of churn, right? So I, I'm looking at those signals and, you know, the leadership team. Are they able to execute? Can I figure out who's on the team? What are they good at? Are they executing? All of that matters. Yeah, and I have seen, you know, in talking to different CMOs, whether through the podcast or just casual conversations, I have seen the frustration of lots of conversation, but no action, almost like, uh, like they keep ideating or wishing for where they want to get to. But collectively, as a leadership team, there's not, you know, the the motion, the forward motion to actually get things done. Have you experienced that or have you been, you know, lucky in choosing the the right people to work with? I mean, I think I've been lucky in choosing part of the success is choosing the people to work with and just a bias for action. If anything, I'll act before anything else just to move things forward. Um, and so, I mean, I think it needs to be a balance of strategy and action. Uh, but no, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work with very talented people that are executing, you know, we put the goal out there, we execute to it uh, to get us where we want. And it's, you know, to go public or get acquired, it's all cylinders firing. You need engineering building, you need product aligned with engineering and marketing. You need a sales team with a go-to-market engine. 
finance. That's making sure you have a sound business and have the right insight on what's going on around the business um, operations, a good people team. You know, you're only as good as your talent. So you've got to make sure you've got really strong talent that's executing on it. And there's going to be challenges along the way. So problem solvers that are going to dive in and fix it. Nothing's perfect. So what are you going to do to go fix it and go compete in the market? Awesome. So let's talk about kind of the first 100 days. So we talked about, you know, how you choose your companies. Um, when you are coming into a role, what's your approach to getting started and really figuring out, you know, where the problems are and where you need to lean in most? Yeah, I am doing a lot of interviewing, even when I'm in the company. I am meeting with all levels across the board, not just the marketing team. I'm meeting with sales. I mean, with product engineering and I'm getting feedback. I'm collecting. I'm kind of doing a diagnostic, uh, really running through everything and and collectively asking for what is what does everyone think? And you start to see patterns and similar feedback and you start to align it. And you can very quickly see where you need to focus first. Uh, but you need that. I would say that 30 days to do that audit and it's critical because those relationships that you build in the 30 days are going to make you successful or not in the next two, three, four years, because they're also going to look to you. You ask them what needs to be solved and if, and, and if it's the right things and you don't go solve it, you lose credibility. So your right. job is to understand what needs to be done, prioritize it, go execute on it, and then go back to them and say, I heard you. And here's what we're doing about it. Here's early results and, and make progress against that. Yeah, I think that feedback loop is important to make sure that you're coming back because that does happen where, you know, you get asked for all this feedback, you put your input and then it's kind of crickets. You don't know if anyone listened, if there's anything happening. Um, so I love that in, in really focusing there. Uh, the other thing that you hit on that I think is also key, and if you look at, you know, any of the industry articles about, you know, how to do what you've done 17 times over, they talk about the alignment, especially in the C-suite, um, in what those goals are so that everybody is hitting on all cylinders. Um, where do you think, you know, if that's not happening, where do you think that CMOs can lean in to support making that happen? I mean, you have to make the relationships. You need to spend time with the other execs. They're your first team. And when, when your team sees you so well aligned, it aligns everyone below. So it just matters. You need to build the relationships with the CRO. You need to build them with the CPO and the head of engineering and finance, of course. You need to be able to prove your return on investment and that you're a good steward of the, the company's funds. And, um, you know, when you align and you may have you may disagree, but then go have that healthy conflict and figure it out. But you are the one team that's going to go execute. And I'm telling you, you will go much faster and it'll be a lot more fun if you build those relationships. I think that's one thing we've done a great job at, at TripActions is the alignment across the executive team, spending time, getting to know each other, aligning on what we need to do, and then going and executing and supporting each other in that execution. Okay. Um, and then we talked a bit about technology that we know is not broken. Um, in thinking about the marketing technology and the tech stack to support you know, that revenue engine, what are your priorities and what do you look for? Like, what are your key things in building the tech stack? I mean, I'm a huge advocate for the MarTech stack. I would say 
maybe I had 20 Mar Martech at DocuSign. I had 30 at MongoDB and we have 46 at Trip Actions. And so, you know, you don't need technology just for technology's sake, but there are a bunch of things you can do across the business, optimizing your website, analyzing and improving uh, what's, um, you know, understanding what's going on in the business. How do you tweak it? How do you shift funds to what's working and stop where it's not working? So there's a lot of great software out there uh, that you integrate, you know, a third of it into your website, a third of it into Salesforce uh, and, and their collaboration tools, their design tools. Uh, there's just a lot that we do in, in marketing and we can take advantage of technology to innovate, to understand what the data is telling us and to act on it quickly. And that's a competitive advantage. Yeah, being able to, you know, actually glean insights and pivot is something that a lot of companies aren't really able to do successfully. You know, things take a whole lot longer, you know, changes in the market, they recognize them and their revenue engine kind of turns like a cruise ship. Like we're going to get there eventually, but by the time you get something in market, it's like things have all changed again. Um and so I know in some cases, the big challenge is investment of both time and people uh, to actually get there to have the tech stack that is that robust. Um, any advice for, you know, securing it and being able to have the right people to manage it? Yeah, I mean, I, you definitely should hire a technologist in marketing. I think that it's very powerful to have someone who understands how to integrate software and embed it into your website, integrate it into Salesforce, your marketing automation platform, whether that's Marketo or Eloqua or HubSpot, you know, understanding those tools. So invest in the technologist. Uh, that's why I've always been able to move fast. I, I've been able to hire uh, deeply technical people that are focused on marketing. I don't think it works if you're borrowing engineering resources. It's never going to be the top priority. It needs to sit within marketing, someone that understands it can help integrate. Uh, you have to have a champion in your team. You can't have 46 technologies. Nobody will use them. They need to be owned by someone. You need to evaluate if they're effective or not. You need to sunset the ones that aren't driving return for you. You need to monitor, monitor them. And so it is, you know, there's a bit of maintenance with that. But if they're giving you a return and the power and it's giving you advantage in the market, then they're definitely worth it. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that consistent evaluation is, is this tech aligned to what we actually need it to do and what the current business strategy is, is really important. And you're definitely preaching to the choir when it comes to making sure that you've got a technologist within marketing, because I do see those borrowed resources from engineering or from IT. And the struggle really is like, how do we get things prioritized? Um, so shifting and talking about the people a bit, you talked about the importance of having a good team, um, you know, who can execute when you're coming in and inheriting a team, how do you approach figuring out how to best work with the resources you have and, and where you have gaps there? Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. You're, you're understanding their role, their current role, what they want to do in the future, what the business needs are. And what, what you need to grow into. When I joined Trip Actions, I had 10 people on the team and I had 24 open headcount. So in about six weeks, I hired 20 people. I hired leaders of functions. I hired people under the leaders of functions. So when they started, they would have a team. You know, we were growing very fast and I needed product marketers. I needed demand gen and growth. I needed 
you know, our website was outsourced. We, we didn't have the technology we needed. So I hired, you know, web developers and front end and full stack and UX and designers. Uh, we were going to Europe. And so, you know, you look at the needs of the business. We need to hire marketers in Europe. We need to hire a marketer in Asia. Like, that was sort of what I was looking at. And then you're, you know, you're it's just like a players on a team. You've got 10 that you have. What What's the best position for them? And making right. sure that, you know, you're taking care of, of, of what they need and the needs of the business and aligning that. Awesome. So we've talked about all the good things. I'm going to shift and talk about the challenges a little bit. Um, you know, I know that, you know, being like working with PE firms or VC firms or the different boards, sometimes there can be conflicting priorities or, you know, a little bit of friction in terms of the way that they work. Um, how do you, how have you managed any of that uh, and those dynamics between the business and, you know, essentially the pocketbook? You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to work for really good CEOs that manage that, right? The CEOs are setting the direction, the agenda, the goals. Uh, we align on budget at the beginning of the year. And as long as you work within the budget and you're, you're giving the return, uh, you know, it's not it's not going to the board. It, it's really a partnership between you and the, the CEO and the CFO and aligning to those priorities. So I've just been fortunate that the boards have been very supportive of the CEOs and the CEOs have been great at running the business. OK. And when you get to the point of being, you know, preparing for or being close to uh, M&A or IPO, what sort of challenges have you run into or things do you need to be conscious of, you know, talking to the CMO who may be going through this for the first time uh, and they're trying to drive their first organization to IPO or acquisition? Like, what are some of the watchouts that you can offer? I mean, I, I think, you know, definitely you spend a lot of time with legal and understanding all the rules of, of the quiet period and not hyping the market. So, educating yourself on what that means, you know, understanding as long as it's, you know, what you've done prior, you're not doing something new to hype the market. Uh, so having clear direction and educating your team, I think it is one of the mo most amazing marketing moments for a company if done right. So you're lining that up, you're going to get a ton of coverage, you're going to get, you're validated, you get a lot more customers that say, wow, they see uh, you on the market. Uh, so there's a lot of great things that come out of a listing and going public. So making the most of that because you go into a quiet period and then you get one, you, you know, you have your roadshow. So of course, as a CMO, you're working on that video and the story, but then you have this amazing wedding on the day of where you, you all day long, you can talk to press and you set up those 15 minute, you know, can you get 25 pieces of coverage? You align your execs across uh, the different uh, pubs that are out there. You do TV. Uh, it's an exciting moment for your employees to align and have them part of it. Uh, and then you got to make those numbers, right? It's, it's not the end. That's just the beginning of most companies. A majority of their wealth comes after they go public. And so, you know, it's continuing to scale to the numbers you need quarter over quarter and being consistent with what you've uh, said you would do for the market or beating it a little bit. Uh, so uh, it's a very exciting time. It's a lot of work. You know, you're writing the S1 uh, and you're getting customers bought in and they're doing videos, but it's so worth it. I would say it's one of the most exciting times at a company. 
Uh, I like the analogy of comparing it to a wedding because that is kind of how it is. It's like there's all the work and all the logistics and details and all of the things. And then you have that, you know, really beautiful moment that, you know, you really don't ever forget. Yes. Um, I know sometimes when it comes to being acquired or merging with another company, uh, sometimes that's not quite as easy uh, because you're trying to put two entities together. You know, you've got counterparts on both sides. Um, any thoughts or challenges that you'd uh, give someone who is going through their first merger or acquisition? Yeah, I mean, I've been acquired a lot and I've acquired a lot. Uh, so I've seen it, um, you know, ArcSight got bought by HP. Uh, we just bought, we bought three companies at Trip Actions in really the last year and a half. And, and they were really headquartered all in Europe to enter the uh, German market with Comtravo, the Sweden market with Resia, Rita Mackay, a very high-end bespoke um, brand uh, out of the UK and really worldwide. Uh, and what I would say is, um, you know, there's a lot of due diligence. There's a lot of understanding of the talent. There's a lot of thought that goes into how the companies are going to come together, the timing of that. Are you keeping a brand and they're running separately? Are you merging them together? Will you inherit marketers from the new company? Um, and so all of that really gets discussed and fleshed out before it happens. And so being organized, um, then also the communications around it. There's a ton of FAQs, understanding and talk tracks and alignment across all the executives and how they'll talk to their teams. There's a bunch of press usually around it. So preparing for press outreach and a press release and announcement. Um, but it's exciting because usually they have either customers you desire or they have um, some sort of product that uh, complements your suite of products or your platform. And, and so it's, uh, you know, a ton of work has gone into before acquiring or being acquired. And then, you know, you're excellence on executing on that will, will really determine the success of the acquisition or not. Okay. And so my last key question is any advice on how the CMO can be a more effective partner or play a more significant role in moving their organization to IPO or merger and acquisition? Know your story, right? I mean, it's a huge branding moment. So making sure that you're aligned on your story, um, what you're bringing to the market, um, the potential of the company and what's coming. It's an awesome time to be able to, you know, as you're building out teams and recruiting. So, I mean, I think the number one thing is knowing the story and making sure everyone at your company is aligned around that story. Okay, awesome. Well, talking about the challenges is just the first step. And so I like to make sure that we always give our audience uh, some clear action items. Um, so for anyone that is listening, can you give us our one thing? What is our one action that you would like our listeners uh, to take? Build your network. If you have not been out and about, uh, in the last couple of years, you need to get out there. You need to go to conferences. You need to network with peers. You need to invite people to lunch, to dinner, build that network. That is uh, a huge part of my success is the people I've met along the way, whether I go and work for them again, or they come and work for me, whether I go to them with challenges and seeking ideas, whether I advise them in the future, like all of that stems from your network. So 
one, give more than you get and go out and, and build it and meet people. Awesome. I love that. Um, you know, I think talking to people has been a recurring theme in our one thing action items over uh, a number of the last episodes. So this really is kind of a different flavor of that. Um, well, Megan, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. Um, thank you so, so much for joining me. This was extremely helpful uh, and I know beneficial to our audience. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on. Awesome. And thank you everyone for joining us today. I hope that you have enjoyed my discussion with Megan. I can't believe we're at the end already. See you next time. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.